We're in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter number 7. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this morning we're Matthew 7, beginning in verse number 13, and we're talking about the invitation. Uh, Jesus has been preaching this sermon, and he comes down to a point where it's time to make a decision. And, uh, and that's why every time the gospel's presented, every time we talk through God's word, uh, the question ought to be on all of our hearts and on all of our minds, what do I do with what I've just heard? Uh, you know, there's a time of decision, and that's where we are this morning. It's interesting uh, how we make so many decisions in life. In fact, I read this week where we make some thirty to 35,000 decisions every single day. Don't know where they got that information, but nonetheless, thirty to 35,000 decisions that are made every single day. Obviously, some are conscious, some are subconscious. We begin as soon as we hear the alarm clock in the morning. Do we hit the snooze button, or do we get up out of bed? Do I, do, I, do I kiss my wife on the forehead? Do I flick her on the toes? Do I get out of bed? Do I go and get my water first? What do I do? The order of things. We go in and, and, and open the, the pantry up and say, well, do I eat cereal? Do I eat a, a breakfast bar? Do I eat nuts? Or do I go get Dunkin' Donuts? I mean, there's all kinds of questions, all kinds of decisions that we begin making as soon as we get out of bed. Most of the decisions are for the most part, inconsequential. Uh, but when you're talking about some decisions that are made in life, some decisions that are made in life, what we need to do is make sure that we consider all of the facts. Uh, uh, there's a lot of decisions that we will make that are very important. In fact, this morning we're talking about the most important decision that you will ever make in your lifetime. And each person in this place needs to make sure that I've considered all of the facts uh, before I make my decision. And, uh, and so it's kind of like this lady. I heard, I heard a lady that didn't really consider all the facts. She was an 80-year-old lady in California, and she had been out grocery shopping, and she came out, and uh, she, went to what she, what, 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 she went to her car, and, uh, and, and there were four men sitting in the car. And so she pulled out a 38 and pointed it at them and said, Get out! And, uh, and all four of them, man, they jumped out and took off running. And so she got her groceries and put them in the back seat, <clears throat> put her car, she tried to put her keys in the ignition, and they wouldn't fit only to find out that her car was three spaces down. Uh, she didn't consider all of the facts before she acted, and uh, as a result, got herself in trouble. And so this morning, I'm just saying, consider all the facts. Jesus has been presenting all of the facts about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He's been talking for these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, about life in Jesus Christ. Blessed, he begins with the Beatitudes, talking about the attitudes that exist within the heart of a believer, what it looks like. He says, you're the salt and the light of the world. In other words, I'm calling you out. You're going to be different than the rest of the world. You're one of my children. You're holy, set apart unto me. And he goes on to talk about how our relationships are different. And he talks about murder and that it's not just the actions, but it's the attitudes of the heart that are really important. He talks about murder. He talks about lust and adultery. He talks about lying. He talks about several things. He talks about worrying, and he talks about uh, 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 fasting, and he talks about praying a couple of times over. He talks about giving and judging the golden rule. There's all kinds of stuff that he talks about, and now he comes down to the point of invitation, and he's saying, hey, listen, make sure, make sure you make a wise decision. 
And, and, in fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 18 that if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's been changed. There's a change that happens from the inside out, changing the attitudes which thereby will begin to change the actions as well. There's a change that happens when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender to his lordship. And he's just saying, hey, make sure you understand what this decision has to do. And so my question to you this morning would be this. Has Jesus Christ changed your life? Do you believe that you've been born again to be born from above? Has he changed your life? And this morning, I pray that we would consider the invitation that he's given. There's four parts to this invitation, beginning in verse uh, 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 number 13. And we're going to go from 13 to 23. So read with me, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 13. And he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by the fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This morning, just talking about the invitation. And before we get into the text and really digging in a little bit, let me just be clear because we've got to be careful and that we all understand that when we're talking about salvation, to be saved, we are saved by grace through faith. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2 and in verse number 8 and 9, Ephesians 2 and verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so our salvation is, again, by grace through faith, through faith. But the Bible also says in James chapter number 2 and in verse number 17, in James 2 verse 17, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. So we are saved by grace through faith. Uh, but our faith will work when we're talking about... In other words, I, I, don't work, I don't work for my salvation, but I do work from my salvation. I'm saved by grace through faith. But when I have saving faith then my faith will begin to work, and you will see it by my actions. I'm not trying to earn my salvation, but because I am saved, I am changed, and I am different. Jesus, in this text of Scripture today, beginning in verse number 13 and 14, he talks about three things. He talks about a decision, a direction, and a destination. He talks about a decision, a direction, and a destination. The decision is this gate that we enter into. The direction has to do with the way that it puts us onto. The destination has to do with the eternal destination, the eternal resting place that I will end up on this way. And so when you talk about these three, although each one of them are distinct 
yet they're also inseparable. In other words, when I make my decision as to the door that I enter, it will then determine the direction that I walk and the destination where I end up. But before I make the d decision, as far as this doorway through which I enter, I need to know what's the way, what's the, what's the, what's the, the direction that I'm leading, and the eternal destination. And then we make a wise decision. And so this morning, just talking, first of all, about the decision, which would be the door in verse number 13 and 14. The Bible says, "...enter through the narrow gate." For the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. In other words, Jesus says there's only, there's only two, one of two possibilities that each and every person that ever has or ever will exist can enter. Either you do it my way, or you do it Jesus' way. There's a door, and he says the door, in fact, that leads to life is a narrow door. The one, the one leading to life is a narrow door. The one leading to death is very broad, and there are many who are on it. So when we talk about this door, the door would be Jesus himself. We would call it the Jesus door. It's Jesus himself. In other words, if we're going to enter into life, then we need to enter through Jesus Christ. That is the only way that we will ever experience life here and now, but also life everlasting. Jesus himself said it like this. John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says this. I am the door. Jesus was talking. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. But the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. In fact, over in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so where Jesus is saying, hey, it's a small door. It's a narrow door that you enter through. It's, there's only one door that enters through uh, that you can enter into eternal life, and that is the Jesus door. Every other door, in other words, there's, a, there's this mindset that wants to believe that all religions basically lead to the same destination. Jesus says, no, there's only one way. We would call it the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ simply means there's only one way to be saved, and it's through Jesus Christ. He came and laid down his life for you and for me. That's what he did. In fact, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of our sin is death. In other words, we deserve death. But Jesus demonstrated his great love for you and for me, and that while we were still sinners, he died in our place. He is what we would call the substitutionary atonement. In other words, he atoned. He paid the price for my sin debt. He paid the price for your sin debt. He's the only one who's ever done that for you and for me. Therefore, he is the only answer to life. You have to enter through the doorway of Jesus Christ. In other words, when you're talking about the Bible, the, the Bible is divine revelation, whereas every, every other way, when you're talking about Christianity, Christianity is based on the Bible, which is divine revelation. God himself said, hey, I will tell you how you can come to me. Any other, any other religion is simply human religion. In other words, they're determining uh, how we are going to enter into the life that he has established for us. And so that's what, what, what you have with so many of these other religions outside of Christianity. Every other religion, they're putting people on a road that goes to hell. There are many on that road. And there's reason for that. 
But this morning, here's where we have to be careful because when we enter through the Jesus store, listen, when we enter through the Jesus store, we've got to know who he is and enter. Hey, listen, we have to enter through the door that he has revealed himself to be and not who we want him to be. When we enter through the Jesus door, make sure you understand who Jesus is. Because when you enter through this door, it determines the direction and ultimately the destination. You say, why, why, why are you making such a big deal? Because, because to enter through the Jesus door is not just Jesus my Savior, but also Jesus my Lord. In other words, he's both Savior and he's also Lord. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that they're not really entering through the Jesus door. They're just wanting the destination through which his door makes available. In other words, I'm choosing heaven rather than hell and not Jesus rather than my way. Does that make sense? And so when you're talking about the Jesus door, we've got to understand he's Savior, but he's also Lord. In fact, the Bible makes very clear, listen, the Bible makes very clear in Romans chapter number 10, verses 9, Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, there's two things he's talking about in verse number 9 of Romans. The first one being lordship, the other one being savior. And sometimes we pick and choose what parts of Jesus we want. And so deceive ourselves. Verse 13, whoever, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's Lord and savior. So when we enter into the doorway through Jesus Christ, that's why when Jesus preached his message, he said, hey, repent. It's recorded in Scripture. The very first message that Jesus talked about was a repentance message. John the Baptist said, repent. Peter, what must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. Why to repent? Because you've been living life your way, and it's time to live Jesus' way and surrender to his lordship. It's almost as if we're on this highway, and, 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 and when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we're saying this to Jesus. Here's my driver's permit. Here's the keys. You take the wheel. I'm in the back seat. I'm trusting you with everything. And that's difficult to do sometimes. You ever rode in a passenger seat with a crazy driver? <laughs> You know, the great thing is you can trust Jesus. Yeah, you can trust Jesus. I can't trust Scott Mildenberger all the time. It's a different story. Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's Savior, and he is Lord. You know, the rich young ruler. So here's, here's what the rich young ruler did. So the rich young ruler, you know the story, Jesus, he came to Jesus, and he said, man, I've kept all the commandments, and Jesus said, well, go and sell everything you've got and come and follow me. And he dropped his head because he had so much. What was wrong with the rich young ruler? Lordship. Lordship. I want Jesus, but I want all my stuff. The door was too small for him to enter with all of his stuff. That's why we repent and surrender to his lordship at the moment of our salvation. It's a lordship issue. 
You know, there's a lot of folks that say, man, I, I, I believe, I mean, I believe Jesus died on the cross and he was raised from the dead. I believe that. But then the life is lived completely like hell. And the Bible says over in the book of James, chapter number 2, verse 19 and 20, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Again, to be clear, we're not suggesting that we're saved by our works, but if my faith is in Jesus and in him alone, my faith will work. There's the Jesus door that we enter, and we went, when we enter into the Jesus door, and I'm not talking about the Jesus that we create him to be, in other words, the Jesus in part, the Jesus that we pick and choose. I pick, I pick Jesus the Savior, but I don't pick Jesus the Lord because I want to be in control. Well, it, it doesn't work that way. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Jesus is Lord or he's not. And each one of us have to ask that question. Have I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And when we do, it determines our direction. They're inseparably linked together. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so he says, not only the doorways, but the direction that they lead to, there's a narrow way that leads to life, and there are very few that are on it. There's a narrow way that leads to life, and, and few are on it. There's a broad way. Why, why, why are so many on the broad way? Why, why is it that so many people are living life on the, on, on the broad way? Because it's a highway called the My Way Highway. It's the my way highway. That's what it is. In other words, I, I, I want to be in control. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I really don't want anybody else telling me what to do. And so what happens if we're not careful, if we're not careful, is we have people that will say, man, I, I want Jesus as my Savior, but I really don't want the highway that he's calling me to. I don't want the Jesus way. What's the Jesus way? Well, he gives it to us in his word. That's what he does for us. That's what the Jesus way is. He says, here's my word. It will guide you. It will guard you. It, it, it's good for you. In other words, there's a path that leads to life, and Jesus has given that to us. And yet, so what happens to us is we're no different than the Pharisees. We're no different than the Pharisees or, by the way, any other cultic group, if we pick and choose pieces of God's Word that I choose to submit to, that I choose to surrender to His Lordship, but then there are others that just don't taste very well to me, therefore I will reject those and spit them out. Well, I'm not surrendering to His Lordship if, 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 if that's the, the path that I want to walk on. In other words, I want, I want Jesus to save my soul, but I don't want to walk in His way. Well, well you... Jesus says there's a door that leads to a path. If you walk through the right door, you'll be on the right path and end up in the eternal destination. Make sure you know all the details. Am I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Now, there are some teachings in God's Word that's difficult for all of us. Would you not agree? And, and, in fact, even when I'm on the right path, there's sometimes that I'm disobedient and I fall. And I praise God <laughs> that He forgives me of my sin. And I'm grateful for that. 
But at the end of the day, here's, here's, here's what happens. is a person that has surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ at the moment of their salvation, they get into God's word, and, and there's a couple of characteristics about their life. Here's some characteristics about the life that's being lived on the path. Number one, you have a hunger for God's word. There's, there's an appetite. Why? Because there's spiritual life within me. There's, there's this appetite that happens. The Bible says over in 1 Peter chapter number 2 and in verse number 2 that, hey, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You ever met a baby that's not hungry? I mean, I mean they, they're hungry. That's, that's a natural appetite. He's saying when you get saved, you have an appetite for God's word. And so the question is, do, do you have an appetite for God's Word? The only way there's not an appetite, there's two, two, two possibilities that there's not an appetite for God's Word. Two possibilities. Number one, you don't have a heartbeat and you're not saved. Or number two, you're sick with sin. Because when we're sick, we don't have an appetite. But he says, hey, if I'm on the narrow way, I, I've got a hunger, an appetite, for God's word. Do you have an appetite, number one? And number two, the, 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 there's a desire, and not only a desire, but there's a manifestation in the life. It's a life of obedience to God's word. It's, it's a life that's surrendered to his lordship. Therefore, it's marked out by obedience to his word. Hebrews chapter number five, and in verse number nine, the Bible says this, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And so, so obedience is a, is a marker of a life that's lived on the narrow path. Psalm 119, 105, His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It, that, that, that's the path. He gives us the path. He gives us the direction in His word to live. But then there's this broad way. What's, what's the broad way? Well, the broad way is, 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 again, it's my way. And it's appealing to the flesh. It's appealing to the flesh. I want to do it my way. Sometimes all of us will struggle with that. In other words, we can be on that narrow way, but then every now and then we want to grab the wheel back from Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it happens along the way. But the my way is appealing because... The broad way is appealing because it's my way. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, what happens here is some folks, if we're not careful, are in the fast lane on the my way highway that ultimately leads to hell. In other words, what I've done is, 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 is I haven't ever surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. I, I, he's not lord of my life. I, I, I've still got the wheel. I'm still living life how I want to live life. Therefore, therefore in my life... I only give when I choose. If I choose, maybe I never will. I only love when I want to love, but maybe I won't. Because I know what's best. I only serve whenever I choose to serve, but only when I feel like it is best. Or maybe I shouldn't. In other words, there's, there's a lordship issue that's missing with people. It doesn't mean 
that, that when I'm on the narrow path, that I'm always obedient because there are times, trust me, that all of us will fall. But you know what happens to the one who's on the narrow path? They, they get under conviction by the Holy Spirit of God and they repent and they begin to walk again. The eternal destination, you, you have two options. All of us will either end up in a place that leads to destruction, which that, that by the way, the word is not total annihilation. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about one who suffers great, great, great loss. Eternally separated from God in a place called hell. But then the narrow that leads to life. And you know what's so crazy is the life that we have in Jesus Christ isn't just the hereafter, although the, the eternal destination for a follower of Jesus Christ would be heaven. And I'm grateful for that. But life begins here and now. In other words, Jesus said, I've come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But we've got to trust him in order to experience the life that he has for us. We've got to be surrendered to his lordship because he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and I belong to him. Lordship issue. I heard of a philosopher one time that didn't believe in hell, and so he went to a pastor and he said, hey, <clears throat> tell me where is hell tell me where is hell and the pastor said hell is at the end of a Christless life that's where it is that's where it is there's an eternal destination that all of us will be one day but the door that we choose the direction we choose will determine the ultimate destination. But Jesus in verse 15 says, beware. In other words, he says, hey, look out, wake up, pay attention. Because along the way, there's going to be false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In other words, from 15 down to verse number 20, he's talking about false teachers that come. And some people are where they are because of false teachers, because they've just simply followed blindly to leaders that aren't preaching God's word. And they're teaching a lot of different paths in a lot of different ways. This broad way that we're talking about, it, it, it's inclusivism. In other words, <laughs> this past week I was in Winter Park and I, and I saw a church building. And I say a church building because on the outside it said we're inclusive and they had the rainbow flag uh, on their sign. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, yeah, yeah, that's the Broadway right there. That's what that is. It's interesting that I'm preaching on that this week because uh, that's the Broadway. And there are some places <clears throat> that aren't into the Word of God and some teachers that aren't teaching the Word of God. And so we can be deceived if we just simply listen. I mean, some of those folks are born into a family and they never really question, they never really get into God's Word. And with all their heart, they believe they're on the right path when the fact of the matter is they're not. He says, be careful of the false teachers. Be careful of those people. You, you, you'll know them by the fruit when you watch their life because, because the root will determine the fruit and they're not plugged into what I am and who I am. False teachers. Listen to the message. Does the message come from God's word? But you can also look at the life and oftentimes the life doesn't manifest the fruit. That's what happens. 
They may be able to articulate a message, but they can't fabricate love. Verse 21 talks about not only can we be deceived by others, but we also can deceive ourselves. We also can deceive ourselves along the way. It says in verse number 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, isn't it interesting that he doesn't say Jesus, Jesus, but he says, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, God is my salvation, but Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. What's he saying? He's definitely not contradicting himself in Scripture. He's definitely not saying you will work for your salvation. He's saying you're saved by grace through faith, but your faith will work. And if your faith is not working, you're not surrendered to my lordship. And you call me Lord, but I'm not your Lord. Never have been. It's a decision you made along the way, long time ago. And so he's just simply saying, hey, listen, don't substitute a confession for a conversion. Just because I prayed a prayer, in other words, just because I prayed some prayer along the way, although we do make a confession. But if it's simply just to say, I want heaven and not hell, that's not choosing the Jesus door. He's the door. He's the door that leads to heaven. Be careful that I'm not substituting my religious activity for a relationship with him. It says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? In other words, they're saying, hey, the religious activities, don't they count for something? Well, you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by those things. In fact, in fact sometimes we do those deeds because why? Back to the beginning. Because we determine what's right, and what's wrong. And to the best of my ability, I'm trying to live that life for God. But the problem is, it's not what he's leading us to do, it's what I'm doing for him. It's, it's a problem that's existed ever since the very beginning. When you talk back in the book of Genesis, remember the story of Cain and Abel in the beginning? Cain and Abel, they brought offerings to the Lord. Both of them brought offerings, but one of them brought what they thought Hey, I'll determine what's right. I'll determine how much I give. I'll determine what I will give. I will determine when I will give. And God will just be happy with that. And there was one that determined his own way, and God said, that's just not my way. And the same thing is happening here. He's saying, hey, listen. When you come and you talk about all your religious activity... Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Do you know that George Barna Research, <clears throat> they do all kinds of research. They researched across America, and they said that they asked a question, and here's the question they asked. Do you believe, do you believe that when you die, you're going to be going to hell? 98% of America said, no way, 
No way. You say, why are you saying that? Because Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many. That means, that means more are going to hell than are going to heaven. There are few that are on the narrow road leading to heaven. And it all depends on our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but we got to come through the Jesus door. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me and paid the price for my sin and your sin. But we've got to repent to turn away from myself and my way and follow the Jesus way. So my question to you today is simply this. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life today? Many will say, Lord, Lord, I didn't know you. Why? Because you never surrendered to my lordship. It's all or nothing. And so today, if you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to repent of my sin and say, man, I need Jesus. I want the Jesus way. That's how I want to live my life is in obedience to him and call on his name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to encourage you, if you've never repented and called on his name, to call on his name today. Saved by grace through faith. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer? Hey, this morning I just want to, as we pray... Again, just, where are you? Where are you? Have I entered the right door? And am I on the right path? It is the Jesus door. But it's the Jesus door that's both Savior and Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you this day for your goodness to us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for, oh God, your grace is amazing. Because God, I know that I have failed and fallen short. And yet your grace is greater than all of our sin. And so God, thank you for your grace. That's amazing. Thank you for your mercies that greet us every day. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that you give each and every one of us for, for life and abundant life here and now. And, oh, God, I pray that we would experience that, that we would be surrendered to your lordship. Father, that we would be the people, that we would be the bride that you call us to be. God, today, I, I just pray that you would search our hearts and search our minds, Father, God, if there be any here today that's, God, just never called on your name, Father, have your way today. Have your way. 
Oh God, thank you for this opportunity. We love you. This morning, we're going to sing a song, and after we sing the song, I'm just going to encourage you, man, if you're here and say, man, I'd really like to talk uh, to somebody about salvation. We'll be down front waiting on you. If the Holy Spirit of God has touched your heart today, you come this morning, you come. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.